0: Welcome back in the morning, Hookup. It's a cold Monday out there, but don't worry. We got our guy, Evan Bland, Omaha, Omaha World. However, Evan,
1: happy Monday. Happy Monday, guys.
0: Welcome back. Hey, Do you make it back to Ann Arbor already?
1: Yeah. The the direct flight from Lincoln to Detroit is Ooh. unbeatable. You can't beat it. I mean, if there was a special, a special sort of fan offering that was set up um yeah that makes that's a game changer it it, it really is even the pilot i tweeted this out yesterday mm-hmm. the pilot was a was a nebraska fan he's trying to give uh people a pep talk and, and and people were either nodding or nodding off on the plane it was hard to tell which but uh yeah it was great great trip
0: everybody's out there trying to encourage nebraska fans even high in the sky they're like come on man it's gonna be okay guys better times are coming
1: yeah, and, and Michigan fans too. Like, I was, you know, I spent a couple of days in Ann Arbor, and like the, the Michigan fans that I saw interacting with Nebraska fans, like, it wasn't even really a, a rivalry in the sense. It was sort of a, hey, you know, you guys will be all right. You'll get back. Like, Michigan's trying to console the Oscar fans that went out there. You know, thanks for coming, that sort of thing. So, yeah, a strange dynamic, strange times for sure.
2: How uh, how cold was it? That's what I want to know. Uh, you know, Obviously, on the TV, you can see it snowing. It looked a little windy. How cold was it?
1: You know, on on so Friday, it was actually really nice. It was like 60s, warmer than it was in Lincoln. And then on Saturday, yeah, I mean, it dropped down to probably the low 30s. And so, yeah, I mean, you saw it on TV with the snow and everything for pregame and then for the first quarter, which was a really cool scene, right? Like, we just don't see a lot of – snow games for nebraska and certainly not recently so yeah it was cold the weather wasn't great it was wet it was not too windy but just kind of a fun college football atmosphere you know and then uh probably the post game was when it was the coldest because the players they go into the the big tunnel you know at midfield there and and they come out and get onto the bus and so the wind was howling a little bit it was a little chilly at that point but uh really all things considered going to michigan and Early to mid-November, it could have been a lot worse, uh, Evan. When you look at
0: this game, uh, we just talked about that. It's really hard <laughs> to come over, I guess, this late in the season. And you talk about this game a little bit because it's the same stuff. I think you're playing a really good Michigan team, by the way. Very physical. Uh, they know who they are. They have an identity. They're number three in the country. And you look at Nebraska. Uh, you're, and I guess what I'm, I guess the question would be is like as a Husker fan and as someone that like, uh, you know reporting on it, we got what well, I think. What we expected to see on Saturday, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it was about as predictable as you could have thought it would be. I mean, the for those who follow the the spread and whatnot, I mean mm-hmm. that played out right on the nose. Uh, my official prediction was forty-eight to ten, so you know I felt like maybe Nebraska did a good job shortening the game a bit. I thought Michigan, a couple drives there, it was almost like they got bored with the run game, and so they went to the pass. And that led to a couple of puns. So, you know, Nebraska won on a couple of different occasions defensively. But uh, yeah, certainly all the issues that we felt Nebraska had were on display against a team that was complete and talented like Michigan, especially the in the trenches. Uh, I, I thought, you know, Michigan's offensive line just may be the best in the country, just like it was last year. And so it's, it's sort of, uh, even though you know the numbers, it's sort of startling to see – these runs up the middle and just the push that they get. And it turns what maybe for Nebraska would be a two yard gain into like five or six. And, you know, I, I think it's a reminder too, that like, if you're Nebraska, you gotta, you gotta have the main course before you can move on to dessert. And I guess what I mean by that is you have to, you have to build those trenches and have those guys on the line before you can really sort of indulge in skill players. Because I felt like, you know, Nebraska's skill players, we're generally on par with what Michigan had, especially at receiver. But again, the the disparity up front was so stark that it, none of it really made much of a difference. So to me, the take my takeaway coming from from that game was Michigan needs to be the high end blueprint for what Nebraska is striving mm-hmm. for. Right? We, we've heard Mickey Joseph talk about chasing Ohio State and other coaches talking about that. To me, it's it, Michigan is the one that you want to be, and the and the one that Nebraska can be if you recruit, if you develop along the lines. Uh, you hit on a few skill players. You're not going to be loaded up on high four stars and, and and things like that. But I think that's sort of the the high end aspiration for Nebraska as it reimagines itself. Dominate the line of scrimmage. Be physical um, and, and try to impose your will on teams the way that Nebraska hasn't done in a long time.
2: I, I'm with you, Evan. Like that's that's where I look. Is is the line of scrimmage, man? I mean, on defense, we couldn't get off the line, and you know they were getting five six yards a pop. And on the O-line, you know, it's just what can you say about that? And we've been saying stuff about that all season long. So I'm with you. I, I look at the, the line of scrimmage during that game and the difference between a college football playoff team in Michigan and,
1: and Nebraska, it's, it's a big gap. Right, and, and they have a long way to go. And this is not I, – I think it's another reminder that this is not going to be a quick fix from whoever comes in here. And, and hopefully we'll get some clarity on – who that'll be in the next? You know, whether that's in the next 24 hours, the next two weeks, whatever it might be, uh, like that's that's the goal. Is you got to you have to recruit and you have to develop, and that's nothing new. That's that's something that's pretty obvious, but it's also pretty obviously something Nebraska's struggled with for a long time, uh, and, and Michigan's doing it. Like you look at who they're recruiting; they they have three star guys that are starting. They have mm-hmm. four star guys just like Nebraska does, but those guys also are in a system where there is an identity, where they're being asked to do something specifically and they get really good at it. And then those guys also, uh, from where they are as freshmen to when they leave three or four or five years later, uh, they're different. They look different. Their technique is better, all this. Whereas how many times at Nebraska do you, do you see a guy come in and he sort of flat flat lines, right, from freshman year to to senior year and then the cycle has been well you, know, you turn your attention to the next cycle of guys the next group of freshmen or the next round of transfers and you hope that they're the ones that save you and really um it's just it's not a sustainable model and i think again you look on the other side of what michigan's been able to do and that's that needs to be what nebraska strives for moving forward
0: we got Evan Bland Howard World Herald hanging out with us, uh, Evan. Uh, we, we have to play another game on Saturday. Um, I guess the question is, is on from your feeling, your opinion is. Um, I think Mickey's done a really good job with trying to build this culture, uh, having the kids keep fighting. Uh, how much fight might be left in this Nebraska team on
1: Saturday? Well, that's something I want to ask a lot of the guys tomorrow. Is when you look at this group, it's it's a mix of guys who have not won a lot of games here either over the course of four or five years, and or it's guys who have been here for like a year or two in the portal. And you're three and seven. You're you know you don't know what your your quarterback situation is. You don't even really know what your offensive coordinator situation is, nope. um, depending on how Mark Whipple's feeling. So to me, your, your bowl game is out your division has been out for a little while. So, what does what is the value of ending a decade of frustration against Wisconsin? I think that's interesting to me because mm-hmm. you know, they haven't beaten Wisconsin in 10 years, they haven't beaten Iowa in 8 years. So, in what has been a disastrous season, how much can ending one of those long streaks sort of soften the blow and it's not so much a pipe dream as being the 31 point underdog to michigan i mean wisconsin has its own big problems especially on offense iowa its struggles on offense are well documented so to me uh it's can nebraska sort of figure something out offensively can casey thompson come back uh from that that nerve damage in his hand and and Maybe generate some points because I think that the defense for Nebraska has done well enough. And again, these last two offenses that they're going up against are the furthest thing from world beaters uh, that they're going to see this season. So I, I do think there's some value there. I think we're at the point where these games don't necessarily factor into the, the discussion about Mickey Joseph as the permanent guy. I think we're to the point where where Trev has either has his man or is far enough down the line that you just can't. You know, weigh these two games too heavily in that thinking. So it's about, again, sort of pride. It's about, um, you know, can some of these, maybe the results for these last two games will be enough to convince some guys to stay when transfer portal season comes in a couple of weeks. So not a lot of obvious big goals out there, but they are, I think still important as the team transitions out of, uh, you know, again, a really disappointing season into trying to retain and maybe, uh, start to rebuild here in the off season coming up.
2: We're talking to Evan Bland with the <clears throat> Omaha World Herald. Uh, Evan, I want to go back a few minutes ago where you brought up the question: whoever comes in here, and then you said something like if, whether that's you know in a few weeks or in a 24 hours. Uh, going back to the 24 hours comment, is that something that you've heard from like a credible source, or is that uh, kind of what we've all been seeing on Twitter? Uh, kind of explain what you meant by that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean. You know, it's hard to say, right? Like a week ago, there was a lot of buzz that something might be imminent, and it didn't pan out. And yeah, just from some folks that we talk with uh, at the World Herald, some of my colleagues too. Um, you know, there's 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 always rumors out there, so you don't know. I would I would be surprised if something happened today, but again, you don't know. And like we didn't know when Scott Frost was let go. That happened, you know, in a, in a surprise email and tweet on a Sunday afternoon so like there's it's sort of an interesting discussion about how and when the coaching news comes out because if you there's sort of this this thought that well if you announce something early this week that sort of allows you some some build-up time um to, to get some hype and some excitement going this week you're on espn this weekend and so that can generate some excitement but then there's also sort of this line of thinking that hey let's finish out the season uh, with who we have, let's focus on Mickey Joseph and these current players before really flipping the page to what's next. So I think it's sort of a combination of, you know, when does Nebraska want to announce it? What's What makes the most sense in terms of sort of rolling this out for public consumption? Um, and, and we'll go from there. So no, I, I don't note uh, anything specific that it would be today or tomorrow, but I think, again, just sort of uh, hearing some things behind the scenes that may or may not be true and, and what would make sense um, just sort of leads to some you know, speculation and, and reading between the, the tea leaves uh, about what might happen.
0: Yeah, also I think it's interesting. I think timing is everything. Timing could be everything on whenever this announcement or whatever, who it is. And, again, we're not going to speculate who it is because you've also got Saturday, which is mm-hmm. senior day. Mm-hmm. you got some guys that are going to be, you know, again, they have years of eligibility left. There's some big names, maybe a transfer that came in, and things like that. I think that's interesting about timing as well, and when they deliver whatever news happens to this team
1: totally yeah and and you know the the pandemic covid year has sort of muddled these senior days and will still for maybe another year or two mm-hmm. before it resets. but like you always think back to pre pandemic and it was, hey, these are the guys who are seniors, and then these are the guys who maybe would decide to go pro. And now it's, it's become, okay, you do have the seniors. You do have the guys who could go pro, but you also have guys who may transfer and you have guys who have been college football players for four or five years who still have that extra year. And as we've seen the last couple of years, just because a guy has another season of eligibility doesn't necessarily mean he wants to come back. He might move on with life. He might give the NFL a try. Anyway, you just don't know. And so, these senior days have sort of become uh, almost like little events where you try to get clues about who's coming back. Well, okay, Garrett Nelson walked and, and hugged Mickey Joseph. So does that mean he's leaving, or does that mean he's coming back? Oh, Sean Mathis, like uh, you know, his his mom was down there with him, and he and he got a hug. Like, what does that mean? So it's sort of a detective season a little bit, and, and sort of piecemealing things together about who's who's wanting to do what. But I do, like I said, I do think. That there, you have to factor in how these last two games go for some of these guys. Because if you lose out and you're three and nine again and, and you have the prospect of starting over with a new coach, like I think a lot of these guys would say, eh, I'm going to move on either uh, from football or from the program and go into the portal and, mm-hmm. and start somewhere fresh. But if you can find some kind of excitement, you can beat one of these teams and, and see some positive results from all the work that you're putting into it. Uh, then maybe you do have a little bit of momentum and you see uh, you're sort of reminded about what Nebraska can be if things get right and things get going. And so uh, I I do think there's some Some weight to these last two games in that regard. Uh, We'll find out. It's it's uh, senior day is always interesting. Nebraska gets one against a team again that it's struggled with for a long time. Sometimes weird things can happen, so uh, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out.
0: It would definitely do the fans some good to get one of these streaks ended against either Wisconsin or Iowa. That would definitely help for us just to see something like that. You know, because it's been a long time since we've been in any any of those two games. So. Uh, Evan, uh, baseball, man, they got their uh, all nine of their 2023 commits are signed. That's, uh, there you go. There's some positive news. Nobody backed out. We got signatures.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, signing day for baseball, they got their nine guys. Uh, it's it's. I mean, it was technically signing day, but, like, the class is really about half done. I think mm-hmm. you're probably going to see them end up with right around 15 guys when it's all said and done. They already added a junior college commit since that signing day, a guy by the name of Evan Borst, who's an infielder from Iowa Central. So, you know, technically they're up to to 10, and then you add in they have a football recruit uh, linebacker named Hayden Moore who's going to try to be a pitcher also. So, you know, you could say they have technically up to 11, and then they're going to hit the junior college uh, ranks this spring and the the transfer portal after that. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It's a class that I think when you look back on it in a couple years – you're going to see it was pretty heavy, at least from the high school side, on arms. They have a lot of, uh, really, I think, really high upside arms, especially from the right side, and then um, added a number of left-handed bats, and probably some guys that they feel really good about as up-the-middle-of-the-field defenders. So you've got like guys like Jaden Correa in the, in the middle infield, or Matt Evans, who's a speedy outfielder who guys are, or coaches are sort of likening to Jackson Hallmark a little bit. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's not a flashy class. It's not in the top one hundred on perfect game right now, but it's a class I think that addresses some needs. And again, it's only half done, so Nebraska continues to work through this thing and I think quietly they feel pretty good about the guys they're bringing in for uh I guess what'll be the twenty twenty four season. Mm-hmm.
0: Evan when you look at I always ask this question, especially with classes, recruiting classes, and obviously you got a team this year that they're trying to put together When you get a class signed, can you start to see, uh, uh, like a mantra of what the class is going to be about or what the staff is trying to build?
1: Yeah, sometimes. Uh, I think what these coaches would say is they they really have tried to find guys who love baseball, and and it's kind of cliche a little bit, but like guys who. I agree
0: when you say that because that's a different person.
1: Yeah, and, and, and honestly, that's one of the reasons they went so hard in the junior college ranks last year was these were guys who, you know, if you, if you go to a junior college uh, facility or or just kind of live that lifestyle, like, those are the guys that love it. You don't get the, the frills or the bells or the whistles or or the attention necessarily. Like, you got to love the thing. And I don't think that they thought that a lot of the players on last year's roster necessarily loved the game in that way. And I think the other thing that's, that's interesting is they're putting more of an emphasis. So like, you, obviously the baseline is talent. You have to have talent, but like mm-hmm. beyond that, I think in put. I think they're putting more emphasis on personality and guys who can be leaders and guys who can step up. And when you think about that great Nebraska team from two years ago, that won the big 10 and, and challenged Arkansas. I mean, those, those, that roster was stacked with guys with big personalities, Jackson Hallmark, Spencer Schwellenbach, Kade Povich, Mojo mm-hmm. Haggie, Cam Wynn, Jake Barnes, like you can go down the line, those were all big personality guys who had talent to back it up. I think that was something else that the coaches felt was really lacking last year was nobody really kind of took the bull by the horns as that peer leader. And they feel like they've addressed that with guys who are here on the team now for this year. And I think, too, when you look at some of the guys in this 2023 class, they feel like there are some players there, too, who who have sort of that intangible quality um, to to be those guys down the line, too. So I think that's probably something sort of, again, beyond uh, you know power arms and contact and things like that that Nebraska's been looking for.
0: Evan, man, we appreciate it. As always, it's a pleasure to have you on the Morning Hookup with us every Monday, man. Take care of yourself. Stay warm out there.
1: Thanks, as always, guys. See you. Thanks, Evan.
0: Evan Bland, on our world, right there. Good stuff, and on a positive note. Definitely. But I think they're feeling the same thing, man. We expected what we got on Saturday. Yeah. Okay? So, right. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to make fun of ourselves from the Real Red Reaction Show.